Praise the Lord. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for tonight. We are ready to receive your word. We thank you because the word comes to bless us, to impart strength to our spirit. We thank you because after here we receive, we believe, we respond to your word. We thank you that your word will not be void, but your word has an impact in our life that is lasting. In the name of Jesus, we thank you, we bind every that will cause a distraction in the name of Jesus, any spirit or whatever, in the name of Jesus that will seek to take the attention of your people from your word. We ask that, Lord, you minister freely, your spirit will have its liberty, and as I yield my tongue to you, my members to you, to use to bless us with your word. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, turn your Bible to Hebrews chapter 3. Hebrews chapter 3. It's important that you pay particular attention and um, note carefully what is being said so that you'll be a doer of the word, not just a hearer. Amen. So make sure that your attention is, 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 is focused. Amen. Okay. Hebrews chapter 3 from verse 7. Wherefore, as the Holy Ghost said, Today, if you will hear his voice. Okay. So, it says, today, if you will hear his voice. If you will hear his voice. So, I want you to know that. Then he said, so what he's telling you is that um, you can hear his, his, his voice. It's possible to hear his voice, to hear the master's voice. And so, you can actually... You can hear your way out of trouble. Amen? You can, you can hear your way out. And um, a lot of times you find that maybe people are in a certain position or situation and they need to get to a different place or they need to get out of that situation. And then, sometimes they wonder, the, the word says that here. Amen? Verse 8. Harden not your heart. Ask in the provocation in the day of temptation in the wilderness. When your fathers tempted me, proved me, and saw my works forty years, wherefore I was grieved with that generation and said, they do always err in their heart. Now I want you to note that. He said they do always err in their heart. But we know that these Israelites, they were errant in so many ways. They were always erring here. They, they always did wrong. But, I mean, they, they didn't. They, they built a, a cow. They um, stole the hallowed things that God said to them. They always murmured. They did so many things. But God didn't say they erred in their ways. He said they did always err in their hearts. So I want you to know that. He didn't say they erred in their ways. He said they erred in their hearts. So you see that that's where the issue is. What do you do? He said, with the heart man believes. Amen. So he said that they erred in their hearts. So they're talking about wrong believing. And he says, they have not known my ways. So I swear, he said, because they err in their heart, they have not known my ways. And he said, so I swear in my wrath, they shall not enter into my rest. They shall not enter into my rest. Take heed therefore, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief. An evil heart of unbelief. Again, you see what he's talking about there. He said that, take heed. Take heed of what? He said, take heed. Therefore, brethren, take it, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief 
The Bible calls a heart of unbelief evil. And, and there are many things that the believers are warned against, but they are hardly warned against the heart of unbelief. But the Bible here says that, he said, take heed. This is one of the few places that the, um, the Bible tells us to take heed. Amen. And it says that, take heed, lest there is in any of you an evil heart of unbelief. An evil heart of unbelief. Then it says, in departing from the living God. It said that that evil heart of unbelief would cause people to wander away from the living God. Verse 13, but exhort one another daily while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. Again, we see when you are teaching the word, ministering the word, you must rightly divide the word of truth. You, know, you must rightly divide it because you can use this to threaten people. It says, um, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. And, and, um, but what, what sin is he talking about? This, you have to put it in context. Amen. He's not talking about the things people do because you, you, you cannot separate this from verse 7, where we started from, where we started, okay? So he says that, take heed from verse 12, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. But exhort one another daily, while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. For we are made partakers of Christ. We are made partakers of Christ. If we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast unto the end. Hallelujah. It says that we are made partakers of Christ. If we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast unto the end. Okay. While it is said, today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your heart, as in the provocation. You see, there's so much emphasis here on heart. Amen. There's so much emphasis here on, on heart in this particular passage that we are reading. They said that evil heart of unbelief. When you hear, don't harden your heart. Hallelujah. Okay. They do always err in their heart. So this is telling us something that the, 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 the focus here is on the heart. It says, harden not your heart as in the provocation. He said that for some, when they had heard, he said for some when they had heard, when they had heard, they did provoke. They did provoke. How be it not all that came out of Egypt by Moses? He said that when some people heard it, they provoked. What is that mean by when some heard, they provoked? Here, God told the people that, I'm taking you out of Egypt into a land that is flowing with milk and honey, filled with houses that you didn't build, vineyards you didn't plant, um, that gardens that you didn't cultivate. And he says that, I'm taking you into this place to possess the land. So that was the word. They heard it. Then they sent, so the people came together and convinced Moses to send 12 spies. Actually, that's what happened. It wasn't God who sent Moses. Even the way you read it initially, uh, Numbers 13, it says that um, the people, uh, God told Moses. But when you read it in Deuteronomy, Moses' own words, he said that when we got to Kadesh Barnea, you guys came to me that I should send spies into the land. Okay, so this was the people's agenda. And God said, well, that's what they want to do. Go ahead. That's how it comes because we call it the first time I see it was God who said Moses to do it. So 
they heard this word that God said, I'm bringing you to the land, and don't be afraid of the people. I'm going to give you their land for a possession. So they went into the land and came back as spies, but they brought what? An evil report. Now, they had heard the word of God, God saying that I'm bringing you into this good place. But then they provoked God. You see, they provoked God. That's what he's talking about in the provocation. He said that some, when they had heard, did provoke. That even though they heard, what did they come out and say? They came and said, um, God really hates us. That's why he brought us into this wilderness to kill every one of us. That's what they actually said. And um, they said that, is it because there were no graves in Egypt that he brought us into this wilderness to perish? And when they said that, God said it was a provocation. So the good news was brought to them. They heard it, but they provoked. So that is where it's talking about an evil heart of what? Unbelief. An evil heart of what? Unbelief. Okay. Verse 17. But then it says in the same verse 16 that, How be it not all that came out of Egypt by Moses? Not everyone provoked. Because we know that Caleb and Joshua believed the word of God. So that's why it says that not everyone that came out of Egypt, not all that came out of Egypt by Moses. Verse 17. But with whom was he grieved 40 years? He said that with whom was God grieved 40 years? He says that, was it not with them that had sinned? Again, you notice that expression, the sinned. It's not talking about people outward things that he did. Because here, he's already told us in verse 12 that an evil heart of unbelief. And then verse 10 said that they do always err where? In their heart. You see, and I started by saying that you can hear your way out of trouble, but your response to what you hear is what determines whether you're coming out or you're not coming out. So when the person hears the word of God and yet rebels against the word of God, then that is called an evil heart of unbelief. An evil heart of unbelief. Now, it's, um, it's like when people say, I know the word of God says this, but, or I know the scriptures say this, but, I know word of faith, they say this, but, I know that the last time they, teach, they taught us this, but, you understand? When you are acting like that, when people are acting like that, that is an evil heart of what? Unbelief, because they didn't really, really believe the word. But with whom was he grieved 40 years? Was it not with them that had sinned, whose carcasses fell in the wilderness? He said, those that had sinned. So let's, let's go on and see. And to whom swear he that they should not enter into his rest? He said that, who did he swear that? So when you, 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 you find there in verse 17, he says that, um, but with whom was he grieved 40 years? Was it not with them that had sinned? And immediately, you, again, you can build a castle here or try to threaten people because of their deeds and things like that. But you just have to wait a little bit and read a bit further. And you will know what he's talking about. What sin is he talking about? He says that, was it not with them that had sinned, whose carcasses fell in the wilderness? Then he goes to expound on these people who had sinned. And to whom swear he that they should not enter into his rest, but to them that believed not. It seems that the most important thing to God is for you to believe him. So, believing is the most important thing for the child of God. Hallelujah. Okay. He says that, but to them that believe not. Verse 19. He says, so we see that they could not enter in because of unbelief. You see? So, when you go to verse 17, it says, but with whom was he grieved 40 years? 
Was it not with them that had sinned, whose carcasses fell in the wilderness? So obviously, these people that he was grieved with, these people whose carcasses fell in the wilderness 40 years, because God was grieved with them for 40 years, they did not enter into the promised land. You see that? They, because he was grieved with them, they did not enter into the promised land. Now, he comes to verse 18 and he says that, To whom swear he that they should not enter into his rest, but to them that believe not. So the sin here he's talking about is the sin of what? Unbelief. So I put a little note there. Sin is equal to unbelief. Hallelujah. And I always like to draw this parallel that in the book of Revelations, the, the people who top the, the charts in hell, he says that the people who were cast into hell, those who top the charts, the, the fearful and unbelieving. The fearful and unbelieving. Because everything else attends to fear and unbelief. All the wrong deeds and all that. Because if you believe right, you will live right. If you believe right, you will do right. But when you believe wrong, that is what will motivate you to take the wrong action and all kinds of things. So he says that those that he swore that they would not enter into his rest, they were the ones who didn't believe. So we see that they could not enter in because of unbelief. Now if there's anything that you should be afraid of or you should be apprehensive about, it is the temptation to be an unbeliever. The temptation of unbelief. Okay. Now, so I'm going on to Hebrews chapter 4. And then he said that after saying these things, to, to lay the foundation about unbelief, unbelief being a very grave sin in the eyes of God, because of which the people could not enter into the promised land. Verse, chapter 4 verse 1 says that, let us therefore fear. Now, Every time in the scripture, you are told, fear not, fear not, fear not. But here, there are a few things you are told to fear. Have you ever heard it say, fear sin, fear sin? Have you ever heard that expression before? It's not, it's not biblical. Hallelujah. But here, it says, fear, fear something. There's something you are told to fear. It says that, let us therefore fear, lest a promise being left us of entering into his rest, any of you should seem to come short of it. He said, if there's anything that you should be, you should be afraid of, it is, you should be afraid of not believing the word of God. Then he said that there's a promise that is left of entering into his rest. Because remember, the people had been brought out of Egypt already. But whether they were going to enjoy the promised land, depending on whether they were going to enter into the rest of God. Hallelujah. Whether they were going to enter into the rest of God. So he said that, let us therefore fear, lest a promise be left us of entering into his rest, any of you should seem to come short of it. Now, the word of God is so important. Earlier, there was ministering somewhere in the morning, and then I said that, the Bible says that when God sent the manna to the people, it says that in the morning, the dew fell on the camp, around the camp. And then the manna fell on the dew. The manna did not fall on the ground. The Bible says that the dew fell and the manna fell on the dew. Hallelujah. And we know that every time water is a type of the word of God, okay? The rivers also typify the spirit. But then you can, um, water refers to the washing of, um, to the word of God. Okay, and then rivers also refer to the spirit. So water, rain, um, dew, the word of God, the spirit of God. So he said that the dew fell around the camp, 
and then the manna came upon the dew. So the, 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 the manna was sitting on the dew. It was not on the ground. They didn't gather it from the ground. It, it was, the, the manna was upon the dew. So if we use that, you know, the Bible says that the things in the Old Testament, they are shadows of the things in the New Testament. So you find that, that the provision, which is the manna, it follows the word, which is the dew. Hallelujah. So that means that if the dew did not fall, the manna would not come. That is why it's so important to hear the word, continually hear the word. Praise the Lord. It was the same dew that kept falling. It was the same dew made up of water, H2O, every, every morning. But that same dew that was falling was the same dew that the uh, manna fell upon. So you never get to a place where you say, oh, I've heard this before, or whatever it is, you understand? You have continue, to continually hear the word. And he says, as the word of God comes, the provision accompanies the word. Hallelujah. The provision accompanies what? The word of God. Amen. Alright. So, verse 1, Hebrews 4. Let us therefore fear, lest a promise being left us of entering into his rest, any of you should seem to come short of it. For unto us was the gospel preached. He said the gospel was preached to us, as well as unto them. But the word preached did not profit them. Look at that. The word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. The, the word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. Hallelujah. So, hearing is important. Responding to what you hear is important as well. How do you respond? In your heart, you, you mix the word with faith. Hallelujah. So, they say that. Now, as I said, the things written in the Old Testament, they are written as what? Examples for us. And now in the Old Testament, he says that when they heard, they provoked. They provoked. And you will find that um, out of 3 million plus Jews, only a few of them were able to enter into the rest of God. Caleb and Joshua. It's a typology of the New Testament. So you find that out of the multitudes of believers, only few of them enter into the rest of God. Because some hear, but they provoke. They don't believe. So in them, that is what he's talking about, an evil heart of unbelief. An evil heart of unbelief. And the Bible warns us against that. Okay, verse 3. For we which have believed do enter into rest. You see? He said, we who have believed, we which have believed, do enter into rest. We do enter into rest. Then he says that, as he said, as I have sworn in my wrath, if they shall enter into my rest, Although the works were finished from the foundation of the world. Now look at that. He said that even though the works were finished from the foundation of the world. So even though everything had been finished. Christ has died. Christ was buried. Christ is risen. Christ is ascended and Christ is seated at the right hand of God. The works are finished. He said that even though the works were finished from the foundation of the world. He said that the Lamb of God that was slain 
from the foundation of the world. So the works were finished. But he said, even though the works have been finished, that we are seated together with Christ in heavenly places, what happens? He said that there remains a rest for the people of God. Hallelujah. Okay, so he said that God said, if they shall assure in a wrath that rather they will not enter into my rest. He said, God was saying this. God was saying this even though the works were finished. Hallelujah. God was saying this even though the works were finished. So, when you are born again, everything is made available to you. Everything has been provided for you. Your um, dominion has been given to you. Your kingship has been established in righteousness and all that. But then he said that the works were finished. But enter into rest. Hallelujah. Verse 4. For he spake in a certain place of the seventh day on this wise. And God did rest the seventh day from all his works. He says God did rest the seventh day from all his works. Alright. There's something in the scripture. It's called in Bible interpretation, the law of first mention, usually it refers to the first time a subject is talked about. Okay? It's the first time anything is mentioned. And usually it's mentioned for the first time in Genesis. And every time you have to look at the associations. And it says in Genesis 2 that God rested from all his works. What did God do? God blessed the seventh day and made it holy. God Because on it, he rested from all his works. Hallelujah. Okay, now he says that, and in this place again, if they shall enter into my rest. So he's trying to bring the two together. He said that in the first place, God had rested from all his works. He's trying to tell you something. God rested from all his works. And then here he says that in this place again, if they shall enter into my rest. He's trying to bring an analogy, okay? He said in the, in the book of Genesis, he said, God rested from his works. He rested from his works. Note that. He rested from his works. And then, it, again, he says that if they shall enter into my rest. So, how did God rest from his works? Verse 6. Seeing therefore it remaineth that some must enter therein, and they to whom it was first preached, entered not in because of unbelief. He said that even though not everybody is going to enter into it, the same way not everybody who came out of Egypt entered into the rest of God. He said that some must enter. Did you see that? He said some must enter. He said that it remained that some must enter. Seeing therefore it remained that some must enter therein. And they to whom it was first preached entered not in because of unbelief. He said, there's, an, there's, there, there's a parallel here. The first people to whom it was preached, the Jews, they couldn't enter in because of unbelief. So now, that was a shadow. This is the real. He said, now, it's been presented again. The rest is being presented again. Not everybody's going to enter in, but he says, some must enter in. This is not by pre-selection. God has not selected some people that they're not going to enter into the rest, and others are going to enter into the rest. Hallelujah. Okay. Now, verse 7, Hebrews chapter 4. Again, he limited a certain day, saying in David, Today, after so long a time, as it is said, Today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts. 
He said that this, what happened happened long ago. He's saying something new. He said that today if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. Verse 8. For if Jesus had given them rest, then would he not afterward have spoken of another day? Now, this is the New Testament, which was originally written in Greek. Jesus is a Greek rendering of the Hebrew name Joshua. So the translation should have properly rendered this Joshua. It's not about Jesus Christ, it's not about Joshua. Okay? So Joshua and Jesus are the same name. Yeshua in the Hebrew. Okay? So Jesus in the Greek. Okay? Yeshu in whatever language. So it's the same thing. But here he's talking about Joshua. That if Joshua had given the people rest, even though he brought them to if he had given them rest, he would not have been speaking of another day. Amen. Then, okay, verse 9 says that there remained therefore a rest to the people of God. For he that is entered into his rest, now he's bringing you to a place of understanding. This is so key. Hallelujah. He that is entered into his rest, he also has done what? Seized from his own works as God did from his. So when God rested from his works in the book of Genesis, what did he do? He seized from his works. And then it says that in the New Testament, when you enter into the rest of God, you cease from your own works. You cease from your own struggles. You cease from your own efforts. So that's how you enter into the rest. He says that for he that is entered into God's rest, he also has ceased from his own works as God did from his. Verse 11, let us labor therefore to enter into that rest, lest any man fall after the same example of unbelief. Now, he's, after telling us that we should rest, we should rest, we should rest, now he says we should labor to enter into the rest. So, the only labor that we are asked to undertake is the labor that will lead us into rest. Hallelujah. And then, you see, don't forget that from verse 7 of chapter 3, he started by telling us about the people who heard and did not believe. The people who heard in verse 10 in their hearts. The people who did not, who had an evil heart of unbelief in verse 12. And now he's saying that let's labor to enter in. Now, why could they not enter in? Because they did not believe. So now when he's telling you that you should labor so that you can enter into the rest, he's telling you that labor to believe. Do everything that is required so that you can hear the word of God and believe the word of God. That is what will bring you into that rest that the Bible is talking about. Hallelujah. So he said that that rest remains. The place of peace, the place of tranquility, the place of, 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 of where things are smooth, hallelujah. But he said that to enjoy that particular state of tranquility, you labor to enter into the rest of God. You labor, hallelujah. I like what um, Murla said, said that when you labor in the way, it leads to rest. Laboring in the way leads to rest. But the thing is that you find people laboring at everything else except laboring in the word of God. 
you can find people in a marital situation and, um, and they are doing everything. Counseling session after counseling session after counseling session. They are calling the families together and the so and so must come and talk to her or him. And everybody must come in and say something. But the number one thing that will bring them to the rest, nobody is paying attention to it. When you labor, the same aggressiveness that you are using to get people to come and talk. If you labor like that in the world, he said that when you labor, you will enter into rest. Hallelujah. When you labor in the world, you will enter into rest. So he's talking about you doing everything. Doing everything. Everything to enter into the rest of God. You do everything to enter into rest. You see, the thing is that it's a law of the Spirit. I was going to touch on that another day, but I can give you a little bit hint about that today. It's like this. The, the, the travail cannot be in two places at the same time. You understand? So either you are traveling, you, you, are, you are working, or God is working. Do you understand what I'm talking about? So if you are doing your own works, then God is resting. Hallelujah. That's what the Bible says. So he said that if you want to enter into my rest, then cease from your own works, your own schemes, your own plots, your own agenda. Hmm? Hallelujah. Trying to sort yourself out. He said that cease from your labor. Enter into the rest of God. He says, let us labor therefore to enter into that rest, lest any man fall after the same example it's a labor to enter into that rest, lest any man fall after that same example of what? Unbelief. You are either believing in God or you are believing in your own works. Sometimes you can even believe in your own works and think that you are believing in God. But everything shows that you are counting on your own efforts, your own performance, your own ability. But it says, labor to enter into the rest of God. And now, Satan will try anything to get a, a believer out of a place of rest. It's because when the believer is at rest, there's nothing the devil can do about the believer. To the believer who is at rest, absolutely nothing that the enemy can do. So he tries to get your attention so many things. If you have an hour, you can use that hour roaming around town, sending application letter after application letter. You can spend the hour digging into the word of God. Are we together? You can spend that hour digging into the word. You can spend that hour roaming town looking for vacancy uh, uh, or whatever it is they, um, they, they say. You are both people are laboring all right. One is laboring to enter into rest, the other one is laboring. Have you seen that? Yeah. You can also spend it on the phone trying to solve a problem. Your credit to get us, you buy more. You even get buy some more credit. You can spend the time in the way and enter into rest. This labor is fruitful. The other one is not. Hallelujah. Have you seen that? Alright. So he says that 
Do everything necessary to enter into his rest. He says, labor therefore to enter into that rest, lest any man fall short, fall after the same example of what? Unbelief. Labor to enter into rest. Labor to enter into the rest of God. You know, it's like in the book of Exodus 17, the Bible talks about how Amalek came to attack Israel at Rephidim. And Rephidim was just a place of rest for these people. But Amalek came to attack them. Came to attack Israel. And you see, even though Joshua was on the ground fighting, the battle was not determined by Joshua. It was determined by Moses, who was up there on the mountain with the rod of God in his hand. So, Moses was laboring to enter into that rest. And to the extent that his hands were lifted up, Israel prevailed. Every time his hand went down, Israel was losing. So, what did Aaron and Ho, what did they do? They got him and stoned his servants, they lifted up his hands. Because they knew that that was where the victory was going to come from. Not by Joshua's skill or experience. Hallelujah. And you see that in this case, for example, how that leadership is so important. Because if the leader was not at rest, they were going to lose the battle. And so it's important that we let help our leaders to be at rest. It's so important especially our spiritual leaders, it's so important. Their rest is key. Instead of creating all kinds of problems for them, it's important that we support our leaders, our spiritual leaders especially, because when they are at rest, it's easy for you, it's easy for them to lead you into that rest. So that's what happened on the mountain. Moses was there with his rod, and the Bible says that when these guys supported Moses, his hands were up until the battle was won. Was won. And Joshua completely defeated the Amalekites. Glory to God. So there's a labor that is left for us. It is a labor in the word of God. Hallelujah. To get into the word. I said you can hear your way out of trouble. You just keep hearing. Hallelujah. Sometimes I get messages from people. Some people say that, oh, you know, they've been going through this and that. That's how come they've not been coming for meetings. I don't tell them much, but I think that that's not a very wise approach. You understand? So you want things to get well for you before you come. Are you thinking right? I'm not thinking right. Hallelujah. That's not thinking right. Because you, you are, you are, you, what are you doing now? You are abandoning the productive labor that will get you into that place. And you are positioning yourself in a place where you are going to labor for a long time. Using your own efforts, your own abilities, your own smarts. It's not going to get very far. But the simple thing is, you push yourself, you do all that is required to get into that place of rest. Where you can hear the word of God, believe the word of God, and eventually the word will elevate you out of trouble. It's really that simple. You can hear your way out. Praise the Lord. Yeah. You can hear your way out. As I said, the Bible says, is it provision or whatever it is they are looking for? The Bible says that at dawn, the manna, the dew fell around the camp. And then the manna fell on the dew. The word comes, 
and the provision follows. That's the principle. Hallelujah. So what the person is trying to tell me is that when the manna comes, then you go for the dew. But that's not biblical. The dew comes, the word comes, and the word is what to bring the provision. So what does it say in Psalm Isaiah 55, from verse 10, it says that as the rain and the dew come from heaven and no return to it, without washing the earth, making it bad and for it, to yield seed to the sower and um, bread to the eater. So it's everywhere that proceeds out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but shall accomplish the thing for which I sent it. He said it shall accomplish. My word, that proceeds out of my mouth. So he said, my word will accomplish. The word comes, and then the performance accompanies it. Hallelujah. So the blessing, the increase, the favor, it comes as an accompaniment to the word of God. That is why it says that labor to enter into that rest, that position of rest, where you can hear the word, you can believe the word, you can walk in the word of God. And that is the place of rest that the scriptures are talking about. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. And if there's anything that we are warned against, it says that, take him, verse 12 of Hebrews 3, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. An evil heart of unbelief. An evil heart of unbelief. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. So I know there's grace, but an evil heart of unbelief. When you talk like that, that's an evil heart of unbelief. God will provide for you. Say yes, but God will provide for you, but you also have to do something. An evil heart of unbelief. What did those guys do in the wilderness? All they had to do was be in the camp. They didn't contribute to the view. They didn't contribute to the manna. All they had to do was gather it. Hallelujah. And so every time you find these things, patterns in the scriptures, for example, it got to a time the people began to murmur. They began to murmur against Moses. They said they wanted to eat meat. Now, before I even get to that meat aspect, let me talk about when Amalek came to attack um, Israel at Rephidim in Exodus chapter 17. Just before that, they got to the waters of Mara and Meribah, okay? And over there, they murmured. The people murmured against Moses, and the Bible says God heard it. Now, after their problem was solved, that was when Amalek came to attack them. It, 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 I find it interesting that in the book of Acts as well, just after the Grecian Jews complained that their widows were being neglected in the daily ration. After the problem was solved, the persecution broke out against the church. I find it interesting that every time this memory took place, persecution came after the memory. You see? So what is, what is the memory against Moses? The Bible says God had the memory. He had it. He sorted out the problem for them. But they opened the door. So then they were attacked. But what did they have to do? All they had to do was hear their way out of the problem. So Moses went up the mountain with the rod of God in his hand. And so laboring to enter into that rest, it is not toil. Okay? This is 
labor with anticipation. It's like when the people said they wanted to eat meat. They said they were tired of this manna. What is this? They said they wanted to eat meat. Actually, the Bible says it was the mixed multitude that were among them that desired strange flesh. When they did that, the Bible says that Moses became despondent. Moses became despondent, despair. And then he said to God that, look, these people that you have sent with me, either you help me carry this burden or kill me. Okay? And God said, relax. Take 70 of the elders. And I'll come and talk with you. He said, take 70 of the elders, the people you know to be leaders, and I'll come and speak with you in front of the congregation. And when I speak with you, I'll take up the spirit that is upon you and put it upon them. And they will prophesy. So now, there were 68 that responded. Two of them refused to come. But when the Spirit of the Lord came and began to speak with Moses, he took all that spirit upon Moses and put it upon the 68. And the two that were still in their tent, who is this Moses? We are not going anywhere. But the Spirit of God came upon them. Now, and they began to prophesy. Now, when they began to prophesy, the Bible says that as they prophesied, a strong wind came forth from the presence of God. It was that wind that brought the quail into the camp. You see, it was that wind that brought the quails into the camp. And so, when we say that, okay, come and pray, when we pray, we, we are times when we prophesy, and you take these things for granted, that is your rest. Do you get what I'm talking about? That is your rest. This is part of the labor. Because it was when they prophesied that the wind went, the Bible said the wind went forth and brought the quail all around the camp. A day's journey this way, a day's journey or three days' journey, all around the camp. All around the camp. And prophetically, what are you really doing? You are speaking the word of God. Whether it is the now word that God has spoken to you or what he has said already. But when you are speaking it, that is what releases the power to perform the things that are required. So actually, it's also a form of laboring in the word of God. Hallelujah. So these are important things. Because he said that everybody did not enter in. But then he says, some must enter in. He says, some must enter into that rest. And I said this is not by pre-selection. It's up to you. Amen. You can tell me, oh, I'm, I'm part of this. Hallelujah. Because they said they brought all of them out of Egypt, but some, when they heard, they provoked. You didn't understand what are all these strange things. So must somebody not do work again? Can somebody not work again? Must somebody not work? What is this if you are a Christian and you not work? He said that the one who will not work should not, the one that does not work should not eat. You see, the Bible doesn't even say the one who does not work should not eat. He said the one who would not work should not eat. He said the one who would not work. This is the one who, sh- who doesn't work. Don't you know many people who don't work but eat? But eat? So labor to hear. Amen. Amen. Labor to hear. I find it remarkable that in all these times of provocation in the, in the scriptures, I never found a time where the Bible says Moses was tested 
or that Moses wanted it, or that Moses was hungry. I don't find that. I also don't find where it says Joshua and Joshua wanted it. And Joshua wanted manna. Joshua was thirsty. And Joshua complained of the water. It was always the people. But where were these guys? Moses and Joshua. They were in the tabernacle. They were in the tabernacle. They were in the tabernacle. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. So he says that they all heard it. Some provoked. They not only didn't believe, but they provoked. They spoke. They said, what is all this? We've been following this Moses all through this wilderness. What has come of it? They provoked God. The Bible said God was grieved with them for 40 years. 40 years. Can you imagine this? When they got to, you see, they sent 12 spies to go and spy the land. The 12 guys came back. The grapes were so huge that they had to put them on poles between two people. Now, when they came back with those grapes and they saw, they said the giants were there, were like grasshoppers. Is that what they said? Okay. So they were afraid of the giants. And one of those places was Jericho. 40 years later, they got to Jericho. How did the walls come down? By a shout. Do you see that? They would have shouted 40 years earlier. Instead, they said, let's appoint the leader and go back to Egypt. That's what they said. They said, in fact, the way this thing is looking now, Moses has been telling us all these stories. It's true. The rest is divided. We saw it, but let's be real. The Egyptians were seven foot. These guys are nine, ten feet tall. Let's be real here. You understand? So, he says, even though they saw my works, they tried me, they provoked me for 40 years. So they went into the place to spy, and they came back with an evil report. They spied the land for 40 days. And God said, oh, no problem. For each day that you spied the land and brought a bad report, that's one year. 40 years, they go around, 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 around. Finally, at the end of the 40th year, they go there. They go around the place once a day, once a day, once a day, once a day. On the seventh day, you go six times. The seventh time, blow the trumpet. That was it. The world sank. You see, in that place of laboring in the world, that place of resting, divine strategies will come so that you don't have to struggle so much. Amen. You don't have to struggle so much because he says that the one who has entered into my rest has ceased from his own labors. He has ceased from his own labors. Hallelujah. So essentially, let us labor to enter into the rest of God. Amen. And he said that the way, the key into that rest is what? Believing. Now, you cannot, you cannot believe if you have not heard. Do you understand what I'm talking about? You cannot believe when you have not heard. He says, how can they believe on him of whom they have not heard? How can they hear? without a preacher. How can they preach except they are sent? Do you get it? 
He's telling you something. Some people want to believe without hearing anything. That's supposition. You are assuming you cannot believe when you have not heard the word. And then he said that, how can they hear without a preacher? Someone must speak the word of God to you. That's how God has ordained you. You can't be in your house and say, you are, you, you are not serious. You know what I'm talking about. Someone must see. He said, how can they hear except someone preach it? Someone must and say that, how can they preach except they are sent? He tells you the origin of the preacher. He said that God sends them. Because you see, it's not, it's not about talking. Like I'm speaking to you now. If you will testify truthfully, you realize that something is burning in your spirit when you hear me. Those of you who are listening, it's like the word is just entering into your spirit. Because this is not preparing a speech. This is called ministering under the anointing of the Holy Spirit. You can't do that to yourself. Do you know what I'm talking about? That's why it's important to hear the word of God. It's important to position yourself, do everything that is necessary to be in that place where you hear the word of God. Thoughts under the anointing of the Holy Ghost. Amen. You do everything that is necessary to put yourself in a place where you are hearing the word that is coming under the function of the Spirit. How do I know what is happening to you? Because it's happening in me too. Because when I speak, I hear. Hallelujah. So there's a supernatural enablement that God gives to bring the blessing to these people. But many times, because his ways look foolish to men, the Bible says the foolishness of God is wiser than men. And the weakness of God is stronger than men. So what did he say in that um, Isaiah 28 from verse 11? Because I said that precept must be upon precept. Line upon line. Here a little, there a little. He said, with stammering lips and another tongue will he speak unto these people. And he will say to them what? This is the refreshing. And this is the rest with which he will cause the weary to rest. And he said, yet they will not hear. So how can you get into rest by prophecy? It has to be a natural sense that this financial problem that is there, and you get into rest by speaking the words of God. But then God takes those foolish looking things and uses it to overthrow all the systems of the world. So that is your key. That is your access, your access code into the life of rest is hearing. It says that many of them heard, but those who heard it, some heard it, some believed it, some provoked when they heard it, some were sacrilegious, absolutely sacrilegious. They began to be blasphemous. They didn't only not believe, but they began to say blasphemous things against the name of the Lord. But it says, let us be careful, so that we don't have that evil heart of unbelief in any of us. He said, let's labor. To enter into that rest. He said, because when we enter into that rest, that is a place where we are seized from all our labors. And th there are some of these things, these keys, these manifestations that, as I said, it don't make natural sense. The Bible says that the Philistines gathered themselves to battle. And it said that they were as numerous as the sand on the seashore. They were many. And you know, God had told the Israelites that when you go to battle and you meet your enemies, they are many like the sand on the seashore, and they are big and tall, and they are horses and feathers. Don't be afraid of them. Because the Lord, the Lord, go ahead of them, smite them. And then, God told Samuel to offer a sacrifice. What has an animal got to do with the battle? 
and no, he was taking his time. I think Samuel was a slow guy. Okay, I, I, I'm, I'm thinking naturally. I think he was a slow guy because you know the first God had to call him a number of times. Each time he ran to Eli, and then finally Eli said, when he calls you again, say, "Here am I. Your servant is speaking." Then we know that when Saul, um, he told Saul to wait for him. He saw waited for him. He delayed until. Um, much later when he came, by that time Saul had taken matters into his own hand. Okay, so in this case, I think he was being slow in offering the sacrifice. I don't know, but maybe. But you see, that's the matter. God is always on time. Here's what happened: when the people gathered together, they saw that this was a solemn occasion, offering the sacrifice and all. This was a solemn occasion, so it's not time for nobody to carry weapons and all that. What happened was that the Philistines, the Bible says, they drew near to attack Israel. When Samuel slew the animal. What happened? The God tended against the Philistines. So that was how they got the people. By killing a goat or a sheep. You see, God's ways sometimes, that's why he said that, speaking to the hidden, the backsliders and the wicked people, he said that, my ways are not your ways. Neither are my thoughts, my thoughts. So as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than the ways, and my thoughts are your thoughts. And he was not saying it so that, you use that as um, whatever, a cliche. He was trying to tell you that, come up here to this higher plane of rest, hallelujah, where there's refreshing, where there's, there's tranquility, where there's peace, where there's harmony, where things will get together. All things work together for good. So the one that loves God, hallelujah. And if there's one thing that you want to do in this time, position yourself to hear the word of God. Make sure that you do everything that is necessary to believe. Hallelujah. And when you do that, he said that you will enter into rest. And he said that when you enter into that rest, you are not going to be doing your own things. He said you have ceased from your own labor. You have ceased from your own labor. What does that mean? It means that whatever you do will be from a position of rest. Glory to God. For 20 years, Jacob worked hard. He said it himself. He told Laban, when I came, I worked hard. You know how hard I worked for you. And how that for all this while, I've, I've been beaten by the rain, I've been smitten by the sun, I've borne the cost of everything that was missing. He worked hard for 20 years and got nothing. Within the last year, when he rested and God went into action, supernaturally, everything became his. You see that? Everything became his. So that's the place of rest that God wants his people. He said that there remains a rest for the people of God. He said there remains a rest for the people of God. There remains a rest for the people of God. Hallelujah. And he says, labor to enter in. Labor to enter into that place. Where we will believe the word of God. You are not relying on only your own smartness or university degree. That is not, it can only take you so far. There are people who have these university degrees and they are laboring. Do you get what I'm talking about? Natural human positioning is not going to get you there. But the rest of God will bring you into that place of glory. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Glory. Hallelujah. Amen, 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 amen. We thank God so much. The word of God is true. I said, labor to enter into his rest. He said, the one who has entered into his rest has ceased from all his own works. Hallelujah. He said, even though the works were finished from the beginning, 
the rest remains for you to enter in. Hallelujah. And he said, he said, you will never to enter into it. Do everything to get into that place of rest. Where things are orchestrated divinely. Amen. Things work for good. Ah, yeah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It's so important. There's so much on this subject, but the point is to get to this rush. Hallelujah. <laughs> because you need to feed the world that has been brought to you. Hallelujah. You need to feed the world that has been brought to you. But it, it's extensive. By the grace of God, you, more revelations will be given to us. And it, it, more revelation is being given to us. Hallelujah. But take the word of God and walk, walk in the word of God. Make this your primary preoccupation from this moment. That I'm going to do everything. I'm going to enter into that rest. Glory to God. It's like Solomon, you know. The Bible says that Solomon had rest. He, he, he said himself that he said, there is neither fool nor adversary. Can you imagine that? Solomon said, there is neither fool nor adversary. God had given him rest all around. So that there was neither foe nor adversary. There remained the rest for the people of God. Yeah. Hallelujah. It's a cool place. Say with me, it's a cool place. It's a cool place. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Yeah. The rest, 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 rest. It's awesome, isn't it? Yeah. The place of rest. He said, when you hear his voice today, don't harden your heart. Don't be difficult. Don't be stubborn, he said. Hmm? Don't be stubborn. When you hear his voice today, just respond. Believe. Don't let there be in you an evil heart of unbelief. Don't, don't have an evil heart of unbelief. The Bible calls that heart evil. An evil heart of unbelief. And it's remarkable that he says, let us fear. In Hebrews chapter 4 verse 1, let us therefore fear. Fear what? He said, fear, lest a promise being left us of entering into his rest, any of you should seem to come short of it. Glory to God. Yeah. We are resting.
Receive the grace even to enter into that rest. We labor to enter into that rest. In the name of Jesus, receive that grace in the name of Jesus. Receive that grace. Father, receive that grace. Receive that grace, Lord, to labor to enter into that rest. In the name of Jesus. Shut the cover, it ever shut the cover. Let it was shut the cover, it ever shut the cover. Let it was shut the cover, it ever shut the cover. Let it was shut the cover, it ever shut the cover. 